I want you to grab your Bibles real quickly. Just remain standing. We're going to read just one verse. Uh, uh, grab your Bibles and turn with me to the New Testament, to the book of Luke. Uh, the book of Luke. We're going to uh, we're going to do some study today. This is not going to be your typical uh, Easter sermon. Uh, usually, you, you you don't want to just just dig too deep uh, on Easter Sunday. But God wouldn't let me shake this, and I, I, I really believe this is what God wants me to do today. Uh, Luke chapter number twenty-two. Uh, we're going to start there in verse number twenty. And then we're going to jump over to Hebrews chapter number 8. Luke chapter 22 in verse number 20. I was really, uh, I was outside the other day on one of the warm days. You got to kind of pick and choose what what that day is going to be because you never know whether you need a pair of shorts or a pair of uh, uh, snow boots when you go out in Alabama. Uh, But one of the days that it was really, really warm, I was standing outside and uh, looking at the, the new leaves and the new buds and the new blooms. And man, I was just thinking about life and how the seasons, the seasons are a picture of life. You have the summertime, the summertime is life, you know, as a young person, you know, we're working by the sweat of our brow, trying to make a living, trying to uh, 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 do our best to survive. And then you have the fall. Where, where that's the senior age, that's when uh, we're in the twilight years and what happens in the fall, uh, things start changing color and falling out. <laughs> Do I have a witness? And then after the twilight years, the senior years, then comes the cold death of winter. The cold death of winter where everything dies. But then in just a little while, here comes the sun. Y'all didn't catch that. And spring gets here. And here comes new life. New life. And boy, I'm going to tell you what, if that's not a picture of humanity, a picture of hope, a picture of what we're looking for, because of what we're celebrating today, we get to experience new life. And all God's people say it. Let's look at this verse. Let's look at this verse. Luke chapter 22 In verse number 20, it says, likewise, also the cup after supper. This is Jesus on the night of his arrest before his crucifixion. They are celebrating the Passover in the upper room and he is instituting a new covenant, a new Testament. The word Testament here is the same word for covenant. He says, likewise, also the cup after supper saying this cup is the new Testament. Say that with me is the. In my blood, which is shed for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful and thankful for your mercy. Lord, we don't deserve to be here, but we are sure glad we are. We are here to worship you. We're here to exalt you and adore you. But God, I pray that you'll teach us today, help us today, encourage us today. I pray for the one that's in here that's not saved. Lord, they're not born again. They don't know you as their Savior. They don't know you personally. They don't have a relationship with you. I pray today before they leave that they will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. I pray that your perfect will be done. And God will be careful to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for it all. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Control my mind. 
my thoughts and my words. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, you may be seated. You may be seated. I I said that we were going to study uh, this this morning, and I really really mean that. We're going to look at some things that, that, that we're really we're going to aim at both, both uh, sets of people here. Whether you know it or not, there's two groups of people here. They are the saved and the lost. Those that know the Lord as their Savior and those that do not. Now, what I want the saved to understand today is what a great deal you got when you got Jesus. And we're going to talk about that. But to those who don't know the Lord, Those that are lost, I want you to understand, you cannot live this life on your own. We've got people in this room right now. You've been trying your best to live this life all by yourself. You've been trying it in your own strength. You've been trying it in your own power. You go up for a little while and get knocked back down. Up for a little while and get knocked back down. You've been trying to live right with God on your own. And I want you to know, and you'll see at the end of this service, that you can't do that. You cannot be right with God without God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, if we're going to study the new covenant, and I'm going to preach for several weeks on what's new. Say that with me. What's new? new? You you meet somebody uh, and you run into them. You say, hey, what's new? I want to know what's new in your life. What's new in your life? Well, for the child of God, there's several things. There's several things. And the first thing we're going to talk about uh, today's subject is the new covenant. Say that with me. The new new covenant. And next week, Lord's willing, we're going to talk about a new life. Because of the new covenant, we get to experience a new life. Amen. But today, in order to appreciate, in order to appreciate and understand how great and how marvelous and how wonderful the new covenant is, we need to talk a minute about the old covenant, okay? So first of all, if you've got your notes there in front of you, uh, number one, I want you to see the old covenant reviewed. The old covenant reviewed. We're gonna, we're gonna review the old covenant and where it came from. There are many covenants in the Bible, many covenants in the Bible. Uh, the Abrahamic covenant. I wish we had time to go into that because it is really awesome. The Noahic covenant. You know, God made a covenant with Noah and he said, I will never again destroy this earth with a flood. And there was a sign. Can anybody remember the sign? A rainbow. There was a rainbow to signify that covenant. And, And throughout the Bible, you'll see different covenants, but the main two covenants are the Mosaic covenant the covenant that God made with Moses and the children of Israel at Mount Sinai and the new covenant instituted by Jesus at the cross of Calvary. And so we're going to look at these two, the old covenant. Now we'll have to go back. We'll have to go back to the book of Exodus to learn about the old covenant. The old covenant or the Mosaic covenant was made in Exodus chapter 19 through 24. You don't have time to read, but if you want to study that and research that, go home and read from Exodus 19 all the way to Exodus 24, and you'll learn all about the old covenant. Now, there's three things that I want you to see about this covenant. First of all, there's a proposition that's made. There's a proposition that's made. Now, what is a covenant? It's an agreement. Say that with me. It's an an agreement. It's kind of like a contract, if you will. There there are two parties involved. 
One party says, I will do this. And the other party says, if you do that, then I will do this. They come into covenant. They come into agreement and make a pact or a contract. That's what, that's what a covenant is. And so we find in Exodus chapter number 19, God is making a proposition to the people. He is proposing a covenant. He is saying, if you will do this, all right, does that make sense everybody? Watch this right here. Look what it says, Exodus 19, 5. Now, therefore, if ye will, what's that word? Uh Uh-oh. If ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Now God went on to say, if you will do this, I will do that. If you will obey my law, if you will obey my words, if you will obey what I give you, then I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to bless them that bless you. And I'm going to curse them that curse you. I'm going to take care of you. I will be your God. Man, that sounds like a deal. Amen. So, so he makes a proposition and they said, sounds good to us. We will do it. And he says, okay, okay, here is the stipulations. And if you'll read from Exodus 20 to the end of Exodus 23, you'll find all the rules and the regulations and the responsibilities that the people had to do their part of the covenant. Now, most of all, when we, when we see the word law, most of us think automatically we think automatically the Ten Commandments, right? Okay, you don't watch too many movies. Moses came down with these two stones and there's Roman numeral one, Roman numeral two. And by the way, there wasn't even Roman numerals at that time. Charleston Heston lied to you, say amen. All right, but Moses goes up to the mountain and he comes down from from Exodus 19 to Exodus 23, uh, 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 Jewish rabbis, Jewish experts have come up with this. There was 613 laws. Now, most of you have only heard of the 10, but there was 603 to help you follow them 10. Now think about that. said, okay, here's your part of the bargain. 613 rules, 613 responsibilities, 600 thou shouts and 613 thou shalt not. Are y'all with me? These are the stipulations. This is the stipulations to the contract. If you're going to be what, if you're going to come into this covenant with me, this is what you got to do. Now, now, lastly, look what it says. There's an agreement ratified. There's a proposition made. God said, I'll make a covenant with you. There's stipulations given. He said, this is what you got to do. Now, if you do this, I will bless you. I will keep you. I will support you. I will protect you. All of these things. Then we see the agreement ratified. C. In Exodus 24, Moses comes down to the people and he tells them all 613 rules and responsibilities. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments And all the people answered with one voice and said, what's that next word? Everybody say it. All. All. Here's what they're saying. 
all 613 of the words which the Lord has said, we will do. All right. Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, rose up early in the morning, built an altar under the hill and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Mochasee had to be ratified, kind of like a contract has to be signed, right? And notarized. This is that process. They always did it with a sacrifice and they always ratified a covenant with blood. And it says, and he took the book of the covenant and he read it in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient and be obedient. There's a key and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant, which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. Now, now. In those 613 rules and commandments, there was a commandment that said, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. You shall not make any graven image. Are y'all with me? But, and this is what they said. No problem. We've got it. 613 That is no hill for a stepper. We have got it. We will obey. We will do. You just pour on the blessings, Lord. And you know what? Moses said, all right, I'm going to go back up there and I'm going to tell him, go back up Mount Sinai. And so Moses goes back up to Mount Sinai to get some more instruction from the Lord. And that is when the Lord is writing with his own finger, the 10 commandments on the tablets. And guess what happened? 40 days went by and they made a golden calf and they made a graven image and began to worship it another God. Isn't that amazing? Okay, God, come on now. Don't be too hypocritical. How how many of y'all have been just like the children of Israel? Okay, God, whatever you said, that's it. I'll do it. No problem. 40 days later. Well, how about us? We get in church and God convicts us and God, oh, he convicts us of our sin and our disobedience. Oh God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Oh God, 40 minutes later, we go in I-65 and somebody cuts us off. Am I getting somewhere? And do you know what the old covenant, the old Testament from Genesis to Malachi It's God saying, this is what you're supposed to do. And people agreeing to do it. And then people failing to do it. From Genesis to Malachi, over and over and over again, it's God giving his law, giving his responsibility and people failing, trying, failing, trying, failing, coming to God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I promise. I promise. I promise. Failure after failure after failure after failure. Are y'all with me? And then here we have the New Testament. We have the angels crying out in the heavens saying, Behold, I bring you great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Jesus lives 30 years upon this earth, begins his ministry, and he's preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. And now it's time for his sacrifice. His ratification, if you will, he is going to ratify a new covenant with his own blood. And now I want to tell you that the new covenant is better than the old covenant. Say amen. Amen. 
And here's four things. Write this down real quickly. What is so good? What is so good about the new covenant? You see, we are in the New Testament age of grace. We are under the new covenant. And so what's such a blessing about the new covenant? First of all, if you're taking notes, write this down. With the new covenant, we have a new atonement. A new atonement. You say, preacher, what in the world does that mean? The word atonement in the Old Testament, the word atonement in the Old Testament is Hebrew. It's the word kephar. It's the word kephar. It means to cover. It means to cover. The Bible says in in, uh, Leviticus chapter number 16, in verse 34, under the old covenant, atonement meant this. They shall be an everlasting statute unto you to make an atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. Say that with me. For all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded. In other words, God provided them a way to have their sins covered for one year. Listen, but when they failed, they'd have to make another sacrifice. When they fall, they had to make another sacrifice. When they messed up, they'd have to make another sacrifice over and over and over again because the sacrifice of a lamb, the sacrifice of sheep and of goats, they would only cover. The the atonement was weak and then it just covered or pacify. Watch this now. This is what that means. To pacify God's anger toward sin and wrath temporarily. And at the end of the year, guess what? They'd have to have another sacrifice. Their sins would cry out to a holy God and it would demand another sacrifice because their sins were only covered. If that makes sense, say amen. Look what it says. I told you we were studying. We're studying. Watch this now. In Hebrews 10, 11, it says, Every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices. Read it with me. Which can never, say that with me, which can never take away sin. Preacher, what are you trying to get at? What I'm trying to tell you is their sins hung on. They could never take away sin. Sin. They were weak. They were, listen, there wasn't an ability to take away sin. It says in Hebrews 10, 4. Why? Why was that so? For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should what? Preacher, what are you saying? Under the old covenant, under the old atonement, their sins were only covered, pacified temporarily. But then they would have to have another sacrifice because the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. But guess what? Now we have a new covenant, a new covenant with a new mediator, which is Jesus Christ. How many of y'all remember that there was a man by the name? Now keep in mind, the old covenant could not take away your sin. The old covenant could not remove them from you. 
But there was a day when John Baptist was preaching on the banks of the Jordan River and he was saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, repent because there's one coming after me whose shoe latches I'm not worthy to latch. Oh, there's one coming after me who's going to baptize with fire and the Holy Ghost. And then he says this, he sees Jesus and says, watch this now, watch what he says. Behold, the Lamb of God, which what? takes away the sin of the world. Under the old covenant, their sins were only covered. Under the old covenant, their sins, listen, were only covered and God was only pacified temporarily. But when Jesus came and died on an old rugged cross and shed his blood for my sin, he didn't cover my sin. He took my sin away. My sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. Somebody say amen. I'll get my directions right here. Amen. How many of y'all are glad of that? What a blessing. We have a new atonement. My sins are not covered. My sins are gone. My sins are removed. So number two, what was number one? With the new covenant, we have a new atonement, a new atonement. Number two or B, we have, watch this now. This is so good. This is so good. We have a new access. We have a new access. Now let's look at the old. Let's look at the old. You say, what was so bad about the old access? Because we didn't have any. We didn't have access to God. Look what it says. Hebrews 9, 6. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But in the second went the high priest, what's that word? Alone. Alone. Once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. Why? The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. And the word manifest means revealed. So what does that mean? Here's what he's saying. In the Old Testament tabernacle, Y'all with me? In the Old Testament tabernacle, they had the outer court. They had the outer court, and then they had a tent right in the middle of the outer court, and it was separated in two places. The first place you went into was called the holy place. All right? Say that with me. It was called the... And then if you go past that, behind the veil, there was a veil separating each compartment. And in the holy place, you would have the table of showbread, the altar of incense, and the golden candlestick. But in behind that curtain, behind that veil, behind that separation was the Ark of the Covenant. And on the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. And the mercy seat is where the presence of God stayed, where it was the seat of God. In that place, the Shekinah glory, I'm talking about it was a blazing, bright light glory in that holiest of all. And what he is saying here in Hebrews, at that time, in the old covenant, only the high priest, what does the word use? Alone. Only the high priest had access to the presence of God. Preacher, what do you mean? I mean, you didn't have the privilege. You didn't have the ability You didn't have the chance to go into the presence of God. Somebody had to talk to God 
for you. You had to go to a priest and the priest went to God. But under the new covenant, hallelujah, the Bible says when Jesus died on the cross, that that curtain, that veil, that separation that kept a sinful man out of the presence of a holy God, that veil ripped from the top all the way to the bottom. Not so God could get out, but so I could get in. And now I have access to the holiest of all. I don't have to have a priest pray for me. I can go into his presence all by myself. Somebody say amen. Oh, I got to go get somebody to pray for me. You know, you don't. You don't have to do that. You don't have to call me. You don't have to call a priest. You don't have to call a preacher. You don't have to call a deacon. You don't have to call your grandmama. But if you are under the new covenant and you are saved by the power of God, you have access to the holiest of all into the presence of God. Say amen. Let me prove it. Look what it says. Hebrews 10, 19. Having therefore brethren, what's that word? Boldness. To enter, where are we going to enter? Where are we going to enter? Look what it says. Into the, the holiest. That's where the presence of God is. By the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. That's that curtain, that separation. That is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God. Read it with me. Verse 22. Let us. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. You know what that means? It simply means this. I can have confidence that when I get on my knees and I come into the presence of God, that he hears my prayer. You see, you didn't have that under the old covenant. But under the new covenant, you have a new access To a holy God. How many of y'all are glad of that? Watch this now here. This is even better. This is a good and son. I'm telling you. It's like my little grandson said. It's gooder and gooder and gooder. We have a new atonement. We have a new access. Number three. We have a new assistance. We have a new assistance. You see here's what happened. In the mountain. Mount Sinai, God, God comes to him, says, okay, here's the rules. This is what you got to do. He put it on stone and he said, have at it. Do the best you can. Good luck. Y'all with me? That's it. Here you go. Here's the rules. You said you would do it. Here's the responsibilities. Here's what you got to do. 613 of them. Have at it. Do the best you can. Now, I want to ask y'all a question. Everybody in here, how'd they do? Forty days. And they failed already. And year after year after year after year after year was failure after failure after failure after failure after failure. They tried. They did the best they could. But in their own strength, it always led to failure. But under the new covenant, 
under the new covenant. Let me tell you what Jesus did. Jeremiah, he prophesies about this new covenant. In Hebrews chapter number eight, watch what it says. Verse number six, Hebrews eight, verse six. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if that first covenant, the one he made at Mount Sinai, had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. In other words, if there wasn't a problem with the first one, he wouldn't have come up with the second one. But the reason he came up with the second one is because there was a problem with the first one. Now, was the problem the law? No, the law was holy. Everything God said was right. Every regulation, every rule, every responsibility was dead on it. It was holy and righteous. The problem was not with the law. The problem was with the people. Are y'all with me? So watch what he says. For finding fault with them, not the laws, not the 613 responsibilities, but with the people. He found fault with them. So he saith, behold, the days come as saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. Because they continued not in my covenant. They did not follow it. They did not obey it. He said, I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant. This is what I'm going to do. I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind. And I will write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God. And they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Now watch this. Watch this. Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel the prophet is prophesying about this day. He says, not only, not only did Jeremiah say, I'm going to put a new heart in them. I'm going to write my law on their hearts and their minds. Here's what Ezekiel says. Ezekiel 36, 26, a new heart. Also will I give you and a new, what's that word? Spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. Now there's a word play there. He says about a heart of stone. What did he write the law on at Mount Sinai? Stone. All right. He wrote all the rules and the regulations on stone and said, here you go. Do the best you can. Right? Right? This means yeah. This means no. Right? That's what he did. He said, here's the rules. You said you would obey. Here they are. And that was it. But in the new covenant, in the new covenant, he says, I'm not going to write the law on stone and have an outward influence on you. I'm going to put that law in your heart. And in your mind, basically what that means is the simplest way to understand that I'm going to put a desire in you to fulfill my law. And not only am I going to do that, but I'm going to put my spirit in you to help you be what you're supposed to be and do what you're supposed to do. You see, in the old covenant, they only had an outward motivation. But in the new covenant, we have an internal help, a Holy Ghost in us to help us be 
be what God wants us to be. He said, he looks at these people and he said, you couldn't do this on your own. So I'm just going to send my Holy Spirit to be in you to help you be what I'm calling you to be. What a great new covenant. You see, we can't do this on our own. Guys, we can't do this on our own. Ladies, we can't do this on our own. You see, there's so many people that's trying to live a life on their own that's pleasing to God. And you cannot do it without new assistance. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Church, say amen. Let me give you this last one. And I'm almost done. This is almost like the next to the last thing I'm going to do. So this is kind of like the seventh inning stretch. All right. So I'm going to give you this and then I'm going to sum it all up for you. All right. Let you see the big picture. So let's review for just a second. Under the new covenant... First of all, we have a new atonement, a new atonement. Our sins are not covered. They're taken away. We also have a new access before we couldn't come into the presence of God. But now we can go boldly for the help and the mercy in the time of need. Number three or C, what do we have? A new assistance. We don't have to do this on our own. We have the Holy Spirit to help us. We have the power given to us by God to fulfill our end of the responsibilities. Now, last of all, we have a new assurance. We have a new assurance. Look what he says. The writer of Hebrews, he quotes, he quotes Jeremiah's prophecy. And before we get that, look at the old covenant. Look what happened under the old covenant. In Hebrews 10, 3, it says, but in those sacrifices under the old covenant, but those sacrifices, there is a, what's that word? Remembrance made again of sins every year. What does that mean? Every time they offered a sacrifice, they were reminded how wretched they were. Every time they had to bring a sacrifice, they were reminded that they were a failure. That they failed. That they did not hold up their end of the bargain. That they did not fulfill their responsibility in the covenant. And time after time after time after time, they were reminded, they were shown that they were wicked, they were wretched, and they were failures over and over, no matter how hard they tried, no matter how long they stayed there, no matter what happened, they were failures. They were reminded over and over again of their sin. But under the new covenant, under the new covenant, look what it says. The Bible says under the new covenant, he said in Hebrews eight, verse 12, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. Read it with me. And their sins and their iniquities will I. God says, if you will come to me, I'm going to offer a sacrifice for your sin. And I'm going to remove it from you forever and ever and ever. And I will remember it 
You know what he's saying? See, God's not like our spouses. Don't uh-huh to me. Don't act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Man went to work. Man went to work. He told his buddy at work, he said, my soul, last night my wife got historical on me. He said, no, you mean hysterical. He said, no, I mean historical. She brought up all kind of things that I didn't even know I did. How many of y'all know the devil will try to get historical on you? How many of y'all know that not only will the devil get historical on you, your friends or maybe your family or maybe people you know, they'll come at you and they'll try to bring up your past and they'll try to bring up what you used to be and they'll try to remind you of your failure. You get down to pray and the devil will remind you of the 10 things you did that you wasn't supposed to do. You'll try to serve God and do right and your conscience will try to tell you you're not worthy. You're a failure. But if you'll look up to God and he'll say, I don't know what they're talking about because your sins are gone. I don't remember them and I won't hold it against you. And by the way, God, God does not have Alzheimer's. If he, if he forgot, he wouldn't be God. God knows it all. What does he mean by saying, I will forget your, it means he will not hold it against you. What a savior. What a great new covenant. And let me tell you this. If he's forgotten your past, you need to too. People's past is one of the biggest tools that Satan uses to keep you from being what God wants you to be. The next time somebody reminds you or the devil comes at you and tries to remind you of your past, say, whoa, buddy, that's old covenant thinking. And they're not going to know what you're talking about. So you need to tell them, I'm under the new covenant. My sins are not covered. My sins are not remembered. My sins are removed from me. He's exchanged my sin for his righteousness. If you want to worry about my past, you're going to have to go talk to him because he's the one in charge of it now. Say amen. Now, let me hurry. Let me hurry. I only got seven minutes to do this. All right. All right. I need you to, I need you to look at me real quick. I need you to look at me real quick because this is a biggie. This is a biggie. I don't know if you think like I think, but I, there, there's my mind is always inquiring. You know what I'm saying? I, I know curiosity killed a cat, but sometimes it gets me in trouble. And I know that, but I got to know some things. And as I'm reading about this new covenant, man, this is great. It's kind of like grandchildren. This is awesome. I should have had them first. Right? Listen, when I read this new covenant, I'm thinking, why in the world did he ever do the old covenant? Why why did he make the old covenant? This new covenant is so much better. Why didn't he start with this one? What's the purpose of the old covenant? Why did God say, okay, okay, you want to be right with me? You want to be holy? You want to be righteous? This is what it takes. 613. And they failed miserably. How many of y'all know that God knew they would fail? God knew they would fail. Over and over and over, God knew they would fail. 
You say, how do you know that God knew they were failed? Because he set up a sacrificial process and system for their failure. Isn't that amazing? God created the Old Testament sacrificial system because he knew the law that he gave them, they were not going to be able to fulfill, so he gave them a way to cover it until Jesus came and died for them. What a, what a God. So why in the world did he even give them the Old Covenant to begin with? Watch this. Stay with me now. Stay with me. You can't, you can't doze off now. You've got to stay with me. If we go back all the way to the Old Testament beginning in the Garden of Eden, In the Garden of Eden, the serpent came. Satan came in the form of a serpent. And he planted in the minds of humanity that you can be like God without God. He said, the day that you eat that fruit, he told Eve, he said, Eve, don't worry about it. He said, the only reason God doesn't want you to eat that fruit is because if you eat that fruit, you're going to have the knowledge of good and evil and you're going to be like God's. In my soul, that appealed to Eve. I can be like God. I can be a God and appeal to Adam. We can be like gods. We can be God without God. And by the way, that was the same sin that Lucifer fell with. He wanted to be God. And do you realize we have that same problem? That seed has been planted in the mind of humanity and humanity's trying to be God. Turn on the news. Humanity's trying to be God. They're trying to say, I decide what gender I am. I decide who I sleep with and who I don't. I decide what's moral or immoral. I am in charge. Basically, they're saying, I am God. You see where we're at? You know why? Because a long time ago, Satan planted a seed in the minds of humanity that they can be God without God. So guess what God did? He said, okay, you want to be God? You want to be like me? You want to be like God without God? Without my help, without my presence, without a relationship with me? Okay, here is 613 responsibilities in order to be righteous and holy like I am. Have at it, do what you can. You see, the old covenant was not here to save you. The old covenant cannot save you. Do you know what the purpose of the old covenant was? Look what the apostle Paul says. Look what the apostle Paul says. Romans 3, 19. Now we know that whatsoever things, soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Did y'all see that? By the law is the knowledge of sin. Galatians 3.24. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Let me sum it up for you. God knew they would fail. 
God knew they couldn't do it. God knew they couldn't live up to their end of the bargain. But he sent the law to show them what was required to be righteous. What was required to be God, like God. This is it. And they failed. And he said, I didn't send the law for it to save you. I didn't send the law for you to be holy. I sent the law so you would know that you are not holy. That you are not like God. That you cannot live up to it on your own. In your own strength. In your own ability. I sent the law so you would know that you need Jesus. The old covenant was put into place so man could see how weak they truly are. That man could see how much of a failure they really are without God. The law in the old covenant was given to you so you would go to Christ and say, Christ, I can't do this without you. I need your help. Are y'all with me? Now watch. Now watch. This is so good. Watch this. Romans 3.20. Therefore, therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Why? The law is just there so we would know we're sinners. But now, the righteousness of God, how to be right with God without the what? The law, those 613 responsibilities, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of, which is by what? In Jesus Christ. Now, Now, stay with me, stay with me. Forgot 42 seconds. Stay with me. You know what God is saying under the new covenant? Come on now. Look at me now. Everybody look at me. This is important. You know what God is saying under the new covenant? You want to be right with me? You want to be declared righteous as if you fulfilled all 613 perfectly. Then just believe on my son. If you will believe on my son, I will count you as fulfilling all 613 of them responsibilities. Well, preacher, I I did almost all of them. Well, the only problem with that is in the book of James, it says that if we are guilty of one, we're guilty of You mean to tell me all I had to do is break one of those 613 and that makes me a sinner? Bingo. So guess what Jesus did? He came to this earth and he fulfilled the only person ever to be born on this earth who was the God man. He fulfilled all 613 perfectly. And so God is telling you today, just believe on my son. Don't, don't, try to, don't try to fulfill all these rules. I'm going to give you the power. And I'm going to give you a new assistance. And I'm going to give you access to me. So that you'll have the help and the strength and the mercy that you need. And all you've got to do to get all that is believe on my son. You see, the new covenant is not following the rules. The new covenant is believing on Jesus Christ. And so today, I want you to believe on Jesus Christ. 
Some of y'all have been trying your best. You're trying your best to live by the law. You're trying your best to keep all the rules. You're trying your best to turn over a new leaf. Oh, I know I need to get back in church. Oh, I know I need to get back. No, 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 no. That's old, that's old covenant thinking. You just need to come to Christ and recognize you can't. Recognize your inability to follow the law and say, God, I can't do this. Will you help me? Will you save me? And then God will put something on the inside of you to help you live holy and righteously before him. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad for the new covenant. And all God's people say it.